You're listening to Louisiana Insider, a superlative guide to a great state's destinations. Hosted by Errol Laborde, executive editor of Louisiana Life Magazine. It's not Louisiana song. It's my favorite melody. It's not Louisiana song. Hearing it echo through the cypress trees. Hey, our topic today is live theater, live theater in Louisiana. And of course, when you talk about live theater in Louisiana, one town comes to mind, of course, that being New Orleans. But what not enough people know about is what's going on in the last century and plus in another city, and that's Shreveport. It has quite a theater uh, community and, and, and some good activity. And they had an anniversary and uh, 2022, and we, we want to talk about it and about theater in general. With me are two guests. One is uh, Dr. Robert Darrow, who's the uh, Shreveport Little Theater's managing and artistic director. He's also a, a performer. And the other is Dr. Sherry Kerr, who's an educator, a drama consultant, a researcher, a writer, and an actress. I'm glad you don't do anything else because we did. We, we keep on going on and on. So, but anyway, uh, both of you have very impressive uh, uh, credentials. So a lot I want to talk about, but first, let's talk about what happened in 1922 that all of a sudden the theater emerged in Shreveport. Well, around that time, um, the little theater movement was was really in full force. The little theater movement, which was a pushback against some of the big uh, the big shows that roll through Louisiana and towns all across the country. And at that time, people wanted a more intimate setting and more relevant theater. And really, that was as a result of coming from Europe. So right here in Shreveport, we had three amazing women. You know, they had just gotten the right to vote and they were feeling very confident and they wanted to bring the little theater movement to Shreveport. And the way they did it, was um, starting with performances in gardens. They had garden plays in the, the luxurious mansions in Shreveport. Shreveport has a lot of very beautiful homes and gardens. And so that's how it started. And they were so popular that they realized that this was something that would, would hold and stick. And they uh, looked for a, a theater to have a home. And that's how it started. So this term, little theater, Again, as you say, you call it a movement, part of a nationwide movement where communities are doing that. Because in, in New Orleans, you'd see a little theater, what they call it, Le Petit Theater in, in New Orleans. But was this going on in communities through, throughout, for, for those reasons? Throughout the, yes, throughout the country. The Petit Theater is, is yes. But little theater is a legitimate term for the movement that was going on across the country. Do you know where did it begin? In Europe. Uh, again, for the same reasons, you know, people wanted to, uh, to to have a smaller venue. They wanted a more intimate setting. Um, they were really getting tired of, of the big shows, the big commercial shows. Interestingly enough, there was a woman, I think, in the Chicago area who brought the little theater movement to the United States uh, in the early uh, 20s or late teens. And part of the reason also 
was at that time, we didn't have an American theater identity. And it was an effort to foster our own playwrights. And so we had uh, Glasswell and some of the, some of the well-known uh, uh, playwrights of that time, you know, being nurtured and fostered and at that time. Now, were these all volunteer efforts at the, at the very beginning? Yes, the entire little theater movement is volunteer based. Now, the folks running the different theaters were paid and the directors were paid, but all of the actors and crew members backstage were all volunteer. And that was the structure of the little theater movement. Now, theaters, I know in general, and the, uh, they're wonderful, and, and, and at that best, they're really great performances, but, but they always tend to have financial problems, uh, and I assume it was probably the same thing in Shreveport. And I know you all had a couple of fires, and you had the uh, hurricanes and everything else, but, but it, it, amazingly, you all have survived and prospered, and I, I guess done doing well. Yes, um, with all respect to La Petite, <laughs> Uh, Devuka Ray, we have never stopped producing. We have never closed uh, from a producing standpoint, despite the Great Depression, World War II, the two fires you mentioned, and the pandemic. Uh, so we are uh, arguably the longest running continually producing community theater in the United States. And we're very proud of that. <laughs> La Petite, of course, started along with about a dozen other theaters, actually began before we did, but uh, they have all stopped producing at one time or another um, for one reason or another. And the fact that you've been able to, um, to maintain it's amazing. Um, I was said uh, uh, several, I guess, what you call them, trivial facts about the theater. All, all of them fascinating. And, and maybe you can just comment briefly on them. The um, That... The Little Theater in Shreveport was the first to produce theatrical adaptations of Walt Disney's animated features. So what did they do? Did they just go to Disney and say, hey, we want to do a, a live version of this film? Yes, that's exactly what happened. In the early 1970s, we started a children's group here called the Peter Pan Players. And the lady running it uh, contacted Disney and... Um, and and they were uh, positive. Uh, they hit it off, this lady in Disney, and uh, exactly an attorney for Disney. And they gave her permission to stage the first staged production of a Disney property here at Shreveport Little Theater. And that went on for uh, years and years. And Disney would send a representative to watch the productions. Uh, now that has turned into... Disney practically owning Broadway in the West End. They have so many productions up and running, but it got its beginning here in Shreveport Little Shreveport at the Shreveport Little Theater. I wonder if they ever did Peter Pan. And if so, how they did the flying scenes. <laughs> <laughs> they they did eventually at another theater. Um, and they, you know, had the experts come in and fly them. And I have to tell you that I was the very first Prince Charming back in the day. Oh, really? And yes. he still is. <laughs> in the very first production, and that was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. How old were you? I was about 14, I believe. Something else you pointed out was the uh, the auditions 
for Gone with the Wind that they went around the country to uh, interview people. And of course, the uh, anyway, one of the people that they interviewed in Shreveport, they hired. Uh, she had a role in Gone with the Wind. Uh, what's the name? Marcella Martin? Who was, yes, Marcella Martin. Who, do you all know so about her? We do, we do. Uh, so the agent traveled far and wide to find, uh, to fill that part. And uh, he came here to the Shreveport Little Theater and she was in a performance. And he said, by far, she was the most talented and the most beautiful um, possibility that he, he had found. And she she auditioned and she got the part. Oh. Um, I guess her most memorable scene is on the staircase of Gone with the Wind hmm. with, with uh, Scarlett. Yes, the first time we see Rhett Butler, Scarlett is on the staircase and Marcella is standing with Scarlett and they have a few lines uh, during the barbecue scene. And um, it, she went on to make uh, quite a few other movies and never returned to Shreveport. And in Gone with the Wind, her cast name or her role name was Kathleen Calvert. Uh, but she yes, got- Yes, Calvert. Yeah. Uh, also Life Magazine in the 1950s, named the Shreveport Little Theater one of the nation's top three community playhouses. That's that's pretty good. Yes, that was wonderful. Uh, that, that was during a time when Shreveport had uh, a, a, a married team, the Youngs, and they were here for 35 years and they really truly put Shreveport on the map. He wrote more books about community little theater than any one person has written. Um, and he was involved nationally and well-known all over the country. So uh, that's when we were named as one of the top three theaters is when he was here. And in, to quote, in 1958, a young airman stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base stepped on stage for the first time in the production, The Happiest Millionaire. And the airman was future comedian, George Carlin, who we know was stationed at Barksdale. Uh, and so, and so he, was that his stage debut at the Shreveport Little Theater? It was. He had at least gotten into broadcasting here as a, a disc jockey while he was an airman stationed across the river at Barksdale Air Force Base. So he was a DJ at KJO Radio part-time, but he also, in his spare time, was in two plays here at Shreveport Little Theater. And to our knowledge, it was the first time he had ever been on a stage and um, that was uh, the Millionaire play and Desk set, and that was in 1958. And in 2021, a former Shreveport Little Theater student and performer became the youngest black director of a Broadway production, directing a play called Chicken and Biscuits. And so he kind of grew up in the in Shreveport Little Theater. Yes, we established an academy for youth in 2008, and Jalen uh, came up through the ranks in our academy and starred in several of our shows, but now he's gone on to New York and done wonderful things and um, recently produced the Tina Turner musical on Broadway, and he's, he's just very active in New York, and we're very proud of him, and we've had other people go on and um, professionally and uh, one young man was in Kinky Boots from our theater. Uh, he was on Broadway in Kinky Boots. And uh, we're just, we're proud of uh, the folks we pr 
produce, but we also uh, have folks that do it as a hobby, uh, as as their uh, spare time interest. Um, so there's a mixture of professionals and uh, veteran actors with beginning beginning actors, amateurs. I mean, that's really the beauty of community theater is here in Shreveport, uh, Bobby's organized this program so that there's a place for seniors. We have senior citizens, senior acting classes. Uh, kids can get involved at a young age, um, you know, give it a try, audition. Um, you know, they see their friends up there. And so, but they're really associated with professionals as well. So all of that together makes the community, you know, gets a chance they really feel invested. The Rose Show of that Tina Turner production uh, played the Sanger in New Orleans. And uh, wow, what a high energy, as, as, as you expect it would be being about Tina Turner, but what a high energy production. And the crowd loved it. It was, it was, it was a great show. Yes. I unfortunately haven't seen it, but I look forward to catching a production. Yeah, try to. I mean, yeah, yeah it's really worth it. Um, Sherry, I want to ask you that in addition to, uh, I guess, performing, that, that, that you're an educator. And you go I am. give lectures and you talk about the impact of theater and the impact of drama and all of this. In a shortened version, what could you say that that being in theater does for a person mentally? Oh my goodness. Well, that's that's really where my passion is. And it, it started really in New Orleans because I lived in New Orleans for a long time and wrote plays. Uh and then uh and you brought you brought up the right word and it's emotion. I got very interested in theater because I, I found out that all of my students, everything they remembered revolved around what we did in drama and theater. So I, I went on a, on a research to London and got my PhD at, at, um, at UCLA. And uh, that's sort of my educational expertise is uh, creating a context that has a strong emotional component, which is around a dramatic context. And I've taught that all over in universities in China. And um, that's that's how I use drama to educate. <laughs> well, the two people who've performed, do you ever find yourselves living the lives of your characters? I mean, not <laughs> permanently, but maybe in a situation and thinking back of a quote or a phrase or a situation uh, that you performed? Oh, I certainly remember phrases uh, at particular times. <laughs> um, but but when you're playing a character, you can definitely uh, like if you're playing a villain or a very angry and mean person, it can overflow into your life because uh, you try to become that person on stage, and of course you're rehearsing and memorizing lines all day long, so it definitely can encroach upon your own personality. Yeah. The um, one thing I've wondered, how and to me it's amazing. Okay. You see a production and like one of the lead performers in it that's in the production, in the show a lot and has a lot of lines and has a lot to do. How do they learn all of that? I mean, is it really hard? I mean, is it really hard to learn a show's worth of of, of lines and the way to deliver it? Repetition is is the best way I can answer that. Just repetition. We're currently doing a production of Always Patsy Klein. And it's easier for most people to memorize words uh, to music. And our lead leading role, uh, Patsy, has 33 songs, but she's had no problems. But the girl playing her sidekick, that's all spoken word. And she probably 
it's a it's like memorizing a book so it's very daunting and you just have to um take a chunk at a time of the script and go over it and repeat 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 and also you know there are strategies uh it, it's much easier when you when you, your stage is set and you have the props because it's like the old uh old roman method you know where you uh learn certain chunks of rhetoric in in a room and then you walk to the next room and that stimulates your brain to to repeat those lines so you do have to attach it to uh to to to, to your context that some people you know walk around their garden and they'll say certain lines in front of a tree and then move over to the pond and say i mean all yeah, sorts it's, of tricks it's muscle memory uh, yeah. is what i would call it you associate where you are, what you're doing with the lines, and you're subconsciously you remember that. Do those lines stick with you long after the show is over? And they disappear uh, pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> to agree with Bobby, you'd be surprised how fast they disappear and, after three years or so. Yeah, that's why we have brush up rehearsals like. Our shows normally run two weeks. So before the second weekend begins, we'll have a brush up rehearsal to go back over our lines. And so we've just been down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, say, just three days, but that's too long. You've got to keep it fresh. You need to go over those lines every day. Well, let me go back to Patsy Quine for a moment because uh, I've seen that show and it's it's wonderful. I'm a big fan of Patsy Quine, but the... Um... Is your Patsy Klein one of your people, or is it one of these? Is it a national Patsy Klein person brought in for it? No, she's a local lady who uh, has been in uh, a previous production of ours. And once I heard the quality of her voice, I associated immediately uh, Patsy Klein with her. Um, and and I'm I've directed this show twice already, and. Um, I hope the other two ladies don't hear me, but this lady, our current star, uh, sounds just like Patsy, and I'm very excited for this show. So is she someone from Shreveport? She is, yes. Jessica Renee Brock. Yeah. Well, that's quite a compliment. You know, there is, or, or maybe, probably know better than I do, there's a song that comes out each Christmas called All I Want for Christmas is You. And it's by Vince Vance and the Valiants out of New Orleans, and it's sung by someone named Lisa Lane. And she is one of the handful of people approved by the Patsy Cline estate to sing Patsy, Patsy Cline. I mean, you got to be good to sing Patsy Cline. Mm -hmm. um, but it's good to see that that talent is spreading uh, because she really was incredible. Well, I'm, uh, I'm very proud of this. Why don't you drive on up to Shreveport and see it? <laughs> Oh, it wouldn't take much to convince me to go up and see it, you know. Um, well, we have a ticket for you. <laughs> uh, what works in theaters nowadays? What do people want to see? What are they losing interest in? Well, um, I don't know if it's Shreveport specific, but uh, dramas are a hard sell these days. Um, people want to be entertained and of course, uh, they want a lot of stimuli, um, audio, visual, you know, the LED screens, we don't have them, but a lot of theaters are getting those, um, where 
it's basically a huge TV screen across the back of the stage where you can uh, change the scenery constantly. But they they like they like the music. They like singing, dancing. They just want full out entertainment so they can escape from reality. Well, no, I've heard the records complain. That, I mean, this is along with what you say that musicals always seem to be the most popular, but they're also the most expensive. That's right. Yes. Yes. Yes, we can put on a, a small show, a murder mystery, um, for say ten thousand dollars, and it can make a lot more than a fifty thousand dollar musical. Um, but our actors want uh, the musicals. Our audiences want the musicals, so we give it to them. And also, my experience, maybe it's not with you, but that the uh... Master wants a musical too because musicals usually have more people and the and each person brings their aunts and their cousins and all that to go <laughs> to the show also. Yes, absolutely. And that's why our academy, our youth academy, is so popular because each child brings aunts and uncles and so on. What does your current season look like? Or or your upcoming season? What kind of shows do you have? Well, we have 12 shows in our season total. Uh, and our season runs from July 1st uh, through the end of June. But we have our main stage season, which is our membership season. And that's made up of five shows. We have this year, we have four musicals and a murder mystery. It's unusual for us to have that many mu musicals. But we needed something to bring people back to the theater after the pandemic. So uh, we are starting out. Well, we've just finished our big summer musical, which was Anything Goes, which had 30 plus cast members in it and was very uh, rationally diverse. And uh, we're proud that our uh, theater reflects our community. Uh, our main stage membership season opens with Patsy Cline, followed by My Way, a tribute to Frank Sinatra, followed by the Winter Wonderettes, that's uh, for four girls singing. If you think of the Andrews sisters, that type of music, um, followed by the murder mystery dial in for murder. And we're rounding off the season with Jimmy Buffett's Escape from Margaritaville, a musical, of course. Then we have our Academy shows. And um, I don't have that list in front of me, but it includes the Lion King Kids, Cinderella, Disney's Cinderella, Enchanted, um, Elf, Junior, and um, mostly Disney shows. Then we have a Lanyap production, and our Lanyaps um, up here north in North Louisiana land, sometime we have to explain Lanyap, a little something extra. Uh, those shows usually have a little language and not so family friendly. Um, more the cutting edge dramas. So like the Lion King, are y'all doing all that costuming? It won't be as elaborate as what you've seen possibly, but it's called Lion King Kids and oh, it's specifically so tailored to the young elementary school age children. Right. That sounds like a great season. I mean, if, uh, if I was living in Shreveport, I could see all those things. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems good. Um, 
Sherry, what is your feeling about the art of theater in general? Is it getting better or worse or great things happening or what? How, how do you feel about theater? Theater is just the umbrella for all the arts. I mean, it's you've got it all there, you know, and I think you can learn anything through theater. So in terms of, um, uh, I mean, we always are threatened, you know, by all of the media and, uh, you know, you go to the, to the cinema and you're just impacted with these technical uh, visuals. And so I, I'm not sure if, if we will become immune to <laughs> to theater as as we know it, but you know theater is is the only one that's unpredictable, and it, it's exciting because you really don't know what's happening. I think the quality of theater is 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 as good as it ever was. It's just if we can keep the audiences coming. And you know our our audiences are a big part of our production every production is different based on the audience reaction and uh, we wouldn't have our art without our audience so um, there's nothing like live theater you can't compare it to cinema or any other art form um, live performing arts uh, there's nothing like it and tell us about your theater the, the, the building itself I've seen pictures it's very very impressive well, it, it was designed by uh, Clarence King and is designed in the rural English uh, style, rural English architecture style. Um, and after it burned twice, <laughs> we have maintained the original look. In fact, people who were in the original theater who come here think it's the same theater. So we've tried to retain the ambience and the feel and look. Um, and it was rebuilt on the exact same footprint as the original theater. It's absolutely charming. You walk in and the doorways are curved. The walls are a, are a cream stucco with, with dark beams and uh, wood floors with uh, oriental rugs. It, it really has a cozy feeling. There's a fireplace. Um, so in the during the intermissions and before the theater, people love being in the lobby. It feels like they're in someone's home. And when we rebuilt La Petite, uh, encouraged me or inspired me to add a courtyard. So we now have a courtyard and a fountain outside. And our auditorium only seats 170 people. So it's very intimate. You see the actors' faces very well and expressions from every seat. And uh, we have the best seats in town. Mm -hmm. And if you look at your website, you see those seats because the opening, the, the opening shot is a, is a close up of all the seats. It's a very yes. lovely theater. Yeah. Um, what? So you got your new season coming up. You you fed your anniversary. You all are, you, you feel like the theater is in good shape for the uh, for the future now. Yes, the audiences are returning uh, slowly at first, but I think we're back up to full speed after COVID. Um, I understand that churches, houses of worship have had a hard time getting people to return after COVID, and uh, it was no different for us. Our, our, our website will, um, has this particular production, but if you go also to WLPB, there's this documentary. Uh, the documentary premiered in August, but it's on LPB's, uh, what they call the Password website. 
uh, and, and it's about the 100 years of Shreveport. And Robert, isn't this based on the book that you wrote about the theater? Well, we wrote them, at the, uh, we produced them at the same time, uh, the book. Uh, and, and, and they work hand in hand together. I ask you to explain a little bit more about the documentary, The Maker of Dreams. Just tell me a little bit about it. Well, the Maker of Dreams, the reason it's named that is the very first play that our founders did in a garden was named Maker of Dreams. And it was a, a bit of a Commedia dell'arte piece. Uh, uh, so we, we jumped on that because the Shreveport Little Theater, as you can see from, from what we've been talking about, has been a, a maker of dreams for many people. So we, we have reenacted uh, some of the, the scenes and the research around the very beginning. And then we've interviewed uh, between 40 and 50 people who were associated with the, the Little Theater. And we've just taken people on a journey of, of over 100 years of great American theater and how this community um, you know, uh, dealt with it and and fostered it, and it really has a lot of parallels to other communities who um, who have little theaters. You know, um, one of the critics um, back in the twenties said, "You can tell if a city is cultured. One thing you look for: do they have a little theater? If they've got a little theater, it's a cultured city." So um, that's what we portrayed. We wanted to capture it, and the timing for us to do that was so appropriate for our centennial. Uh, and we wanted to get it, get it, you know, uh, documented. That's a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Robert, you want to answer that? Well, uh, we just wanted to leave a time capsule for future generations of what's gone on at the Little Theater during its first hundred years. And we were very fortunate to have thousands of photographs that still existed uh, from the hundred years uh, despite the two fires, uh, the couple who were here running the theater for over 30 years started an archive uh, out at LSUS, and um, that's where the little theater archives are. So we have all this wonderful B-roll for the film with photographs and um, a lot of video for more recent productions um, that supports the film. And um, it, it's a fascinating journey, and we hope that folks will watch it. Very good. Both of you are good at this, okay? So anyway, anybody who listens to this can hear it just by streaming on LPB. Again, it's called Maker of Dreams. Um, let me ask you before, before we go, each of you tell me what your favorite, it doesn't have to be a, a little theater production, just in general, what your favorite musical is and what your favorite drama is of all time. Well, I, I would personally, I would say um, To Kill a Mockingbird, both the original and the new adaptation, uh, would be my favorite drama. And I would probably say Evita, because I played Shay at one time. You did? <laughs> and, wow. Uh, yes, yes, and I uh, really enjoyed that role. You know, we tend to think that one of our favorites is one that we were in. And uh, one of the first things that I was in was in London. And it was Comedy of Errors. And uh, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> uh, the Shakespeare play. Okay. And what's the musical? Oh, uh, the musical. Uh, I can't think right now. Okay. I love musicals. Anything goes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's always the last one I saw. 
the Kill a Mockingbird, the, the new version, just played played New Orleans. And like just what everybody I talked to said the same thing. I read the book when I was a sophomore in high school, right? And so there must have been something going on back then, you know. Okay, if it's a sophomore, give him the book. And uh, I did too, but it's different from what I remember the play being. But it's, uh, you know, it's an impressive show. For your musical, uh, Robert, I was shocked because my answer would have been Avita also. And ah. so, but I was never called to, to play a role on it. Um, uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly not Shay. Okay. Okay. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Nice talking to you all. Okay. Thanks for listening to Louisiana Insider. Subscribe, like, and rate our show where you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Louisiana Life Mag. Executive producer for Louisiana Insider is Kelly Massico in cooperation with Louisiana Life Magazine. For subscription information to Louisiana Life, call 504-828-1380. Our theme music was provided by Rich Collins. Hey, that's me. Join us again next week for more discoveries inside Louisiana.